0: According to St. John, the 12th chapter. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, to the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. This time I invite the young and young at heart forward for a special message. House is better. House is better. Oh, Jesus just had a meal with his friends, right? They so came to the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and they threw this dinner, and something weird kind of happened after the me. meal. They took this big jar of cologne, and they came over and Feet are normally pretty stinky, right? Yeah. But cologne, does cologne smell good? Sometimes you find the right stuff. Yes, that's absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> and the smell of this perfume, this cologne, filled up the whole house. that time to be together uh, to know just how much He loves us so that when the bad things do happen we know that we have people who love us and care for us enough to see us through it. So we pray with you. Thank you for being with us always, Jesus. Be with us now. Help us to have a good week to find joy in the things that we do and to give thanks for you for your love in all things. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you much as you like this. Will you pray with me? In joy and in sorrow, in pain and in strength, pour out your spirit, Lord God, and come. Be with us now in this place. Strengthen us by your word. And be with us as we leave to be your hands and your feet, uh, testifying to your new life in Jesus to all those whom we may meet. All these things and all the things of our hearts we lift before you, gracious God, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So if any of you ever encountered someone um, whose sole purpose in life seemed to be to let you know that uh, they've seen, done, and experienced more than you. At a higher intensity and in a shorter amount of time than you did it. Alright, if you've gone a mile, they've gone two. If you've climbed a mountain, well, they climbed a higher one and they did it faster and weren't quite as out of breath. And the list goes on. When we look at uh, the, the second reading from Philippians that Tom read for us this morning, um, I think it gives us a little bit of an insight into Paul and lets us recognize that Paul's an interesting character. It seems like that's what he's trying to do. Uh, In his letter to the church in Philippi, Uh, he goes through his entire resume. He declares just how great he is in the eyes of his people, and it seems like uh, he's trying to tell them that he's climbed a higher mountain. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness. Under the law, blameless. How can we compete with that? Paul was brought up uh, by a family that instilled in him uh, the passion and the desire to observe the Jewish law to the letter. Studying at the feet of some of the most prestigious rabbis of the day, uh, Paul even had special orders from the temple authority. The high chain of command uh, in the Jewish leadership of the day to arrest Christians for not being uh, faithful adherents to God and the law, for not being like Paul was. His own discipline and zeal for God was beyond reproach. Right, he checked off every single box, and if if he were any more faithful, the people probably would have started taking to calling him Abraham or Moses. For Paul, his entire life had been one of of preparation, of building up his character and climbing the social ladder, of looking for the next thing that will put him over the top and afford him with even more clout. Which makes the very next thing that he has to say even the more scandalous. Yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Jesus. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all these things and I regard them as rubbish, as waste. In order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness of God based on faith. It's a very fancy way of saying that everything I've done, all of my achievements, all of my ambition, all of my work, even my heritage, is all wasted in comparison to what I now have. The knowledge that Jesus Christ is my Lord. Paul has nothing more to add. Nothing more that he can do that will measure up in comparison to what God has done for him in the death and resurrection of Jesus. Paul may very well have been blameless in following the law, but Jesus conquered death in the grave. How can you top that? It's like Paul is saying, how can anyone compete with the wonderful thing that God has done in the one we call Lord? and Savior. Jesus has gone the distance that no one else can go. He's climbed the mountain that no one else can even reach. And looking at Jesus, Paul came to the realization that life, life isn't a competition. It's a journey of hope and trust that God has made us His own in Christ Jesus and has gifted us the same life that is marked by Jesus' suffering and death. It's not about what I've done or even who I am. It's about God and who God has made me by and through the sheer power of His love. And how different is that from the message that, that we receive even from the time that we're young about how the world around us really works. Every moment in our life is marked by one achievement after the other, one victory over another. Even the way we talk about our children learning how to stand up, how to walk, how to speak is framed as a competition. Did we beat the benchmark for this age range or have we failed? She's ahead or he's behind for his age. What does that say About our children. About the life of faith and formation that God has in store for them. What does that say about this world? That a life lived toward wholeness and holiness is one of... Are we living up to the standard? Are we better off than another? And so what if the milestones in our life... Marked not by our achievements, but by something else. Paul says that he, he wants to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death. Paul knows what it's like to succeed, but that doesn't matter to him anymore. He wants to know what it means to share in the sufferings of Jesus. But that doesn't mean that he's a glutton for punishment. If Paul's life has been one of of preparing, of reaching, of striving for that next thing that will set him over the top, what Paul now reaches and strives for is the fullness of what it means to know that Jesus Christ has died for us, was raised for us. And gives us eternal life through his resurrection. Paul wants to know what it's like to give of himself so completely and so fully that life is made available for someone else who needs it. It's as if he's saying, don't define yourself by your your trophies or your awards or your certificates. Be defined by the love of God that rules in your life. A love that may very well lead you, yes, to dark and less than desirable places. But does that mean that God then doesn't want us to strive to be better, to succeed at the task we have at hand, to grow and use our gifts and our blessings to the fullest of their potential? Of course not. Because we remember that Paul... A Hebrew of the Hebrews, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, used his heritage, his education, his passion for God to love and to serve the churches and the people that he encountered. Not counting his resume as the height of his accomplishment, but treating them as tools useful and necessary to build up the kingdom of God. Like Paul, we too are called to use our gifts to strain forward for that which lies ahead of us. Pressing on towards the goal of worshiping our God in everything that we do with everything that we are. As the people of God, we're called together to use our gifts in continued obedience to God that that together we might truly come to know the depths of God's love for us and grow in faith together by trusting in the promises of new life to be found in Jesus. Throughout the rest of our lives, we will be forced to come face to face with with the unknown, the insurmountable, the downright evil. Not knowing what lies ahead, we still reach out, though, And strain, long for, desperately grab what it is God has offered to us. Knowing that through whatever may come, we continue to keep one foot firmly planted in the reality of suffering and evil and death. And the other, the promise of new life in Jesus. And so we pray, we pray that what God has given us might be used, not just in preparation for his burial, but for the new life that awaits all of us. That we too might be made to be like Jesus himself, loving, selfless, humble, faithful. And we pray that in all things, God would take the the waste of this world and use it for his glory and the wholeness of all peoples. And we pray all of this in the name of the risen Christ. Amen.